Chapter 17 of The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. This is a Discerning Hearts recording read by Chris McGregor. The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. Translated and edited by E. Allison Pierce. I seem now to be beginning my treatment of prayer, but there still remains a little for me to say, which is of great importance because it has to do with humility, and in this house that is necessary. For humility is the principal virtue which must be practiced by those who pray. And as I have said, it is very fitting that you should try to learn how to practice it often. That is one of the chief things to remember about it. And it is very necessary that it should be known by all who practice prayer. How can anyone who is truly humble think herself as good as those who become contemplatives? God, it is true, by his goodness and mercy can make her so. But my advice is that she should always sit down in the lowest place, for that is what the Lord instructed us to do and taught us by his own example. Let such a one make herself ready for God to lead her by this road, if he so wills. If he does not, the whole point of true humility is that she should consider herself happy in serving the servants of the Lord and in praising him, for she deserves to be a slave of the devils in hell. Yet his majesty has brought her here to live among his servants. I do not say this without good reason, for, as I have said, It is very important for us to realize that God does not lead us all by the same road, and perhaps she who believes herself to be going along the lowest of roads is the highest in the Lord's eyes. So it does not follow that because all of us in this house practice prayer, we are all perforce to be contemplatives. That is impossible. And those of us who are not would be greatly discouraged if we did not grasp the truth that contemplation is something given by God. And, as it is not necessary for salvation, and God does not ask it of us before he gives us our reward, we must not suppose that anyone else will require it of us. We shall not fail to attain perfection if we do what has been said here. We may, in fact, gain much more merit, because what we do will cost us more labor. The Lord will be treating us like those who are strong and will be laying up for us all that we cannot enjoy in this life. Let us not be discouraged then and give up prayer or cease doing what the rest do. For the Lord sometimes tarries long and gives us great rewards all at once as he has been giving to others over many years. I myself spent over 14 years without ever being able to meditate except while reading. There must be many people like this and others who cannot meditate even after reading, but can only recite vocal prayers in which they chiefly occupy themselves and take a certain pleasure. Some find their thoughts wandering so much that they cannot concentrate upon the same thing, but are always restless to such an extent that if they try to fix their thoughts upon God, they are attacked by a thousand foolish ideas and scruples and doubts concerning the faith. I know a very old woman leading a most excellent life. I wish mine were like hers. A penitent, a great servant of God, 
who for many years has been spending hours and hours in vocal prayer. But from mental prayer, can get no help at all. The most she can do is dwell upon each of her vocal prayers as she says them. There are a great many other people just like this. If they are humble, they will not, I think, be any worse off in the end, but very much in the same state as those who enjoy numerous consolations. In one way, they may feel safer, for we cannot tell if consolations come from God or are sent by the devil. If they are not of God, they are the most dangerous. For the chief object of the devil's work on earth is to fill us with pride. If they are of God, there is no reason for fear, for they bring humility with them, as I explained in my other book at great length. Others walk in humility and always suspect that if they fail to receive consolations, the fault is theirs and are always most anxious to make progress. They never see a person shedding a tear without thinking themselves very backward in God's service unless they are doing the same, whereas they may perhaps be much more advanced. For tears, though good, are not invariably as signs of perfection. There is always greater safety and humility, mortification, detachment, and other virtues. There is no reason for fear, and you must not be afraid that you will fail to attain the perfection of the greatest contemplatives. St. Martha was holy, but we are not told that she was a contemplative. What more do you want, then, than to be able to grow to be like that blessed woman who was worthy to receive Christ our Lord so often in her house and to prepare meals for him and to serve him and perhaps eat at table with him? If she had been absorbed in devotion all the time, as the Magdalene was, there would have been no one to prepare a meal for this divine guest. Now remember that this little community is St. Martha's house, and that there must be people of all kinds here. Nuns who are called to the active life must not murmur at others who are very absorbed in contemplation, for contemplatives know that, though they themselves may be silent, the Lord will speak for them. And this, as a rule, makes them forget themselves and everything else. Remember that there must be someone to cook the meals and count yourself happy in being able to serve like Martha. Reflect that true humility consists to a great extent in being ready for what the Lord desires to do with you and happy that he should do it and in always considering yourselves unworthy to be called his servants. If contemplation and mental and vocal prayer, and tending the sick and serving in the house, and working at even the lowliest tasks are of service to the guest who comes to stay with us and to take his recreation with us. What should it matter to us if we do one of these things rather than another? I do not mean that it is for us to say what we shall do, but that we must do our best in everything, for the choice is not ours but the Lord's. If, after many years, he is pleased to give each of us her office, it will be a curious kind of humility for you to wish to choose. Let the Lord of the house do that, for he is wise and powerful and knows what is fitting for you and for himself as well. Be sure that if you do what lies in your power and prepare yourself for a 
high contemplation with the perfection aforementioned, then if he does not grant it you, and I think you will not fail to do so if you have true detachment and humility, it will be because he has laid up this joy for you so as to give it to you in heaven, and because, as I have said elsewhere, he is pleased to treat you like people who are strong and give you a cross to bear on earth like that which his majesty himself also bore. What better sign of friendship is there than for him to give you what he gave himself? It might well be that you would not have had so great a reward from contemplation. His judgments are his own. We must not meddle in them. It is indeed a good thing that the choice is not ours, for if it were, we should think it the more restful life and all become the great contemplatives. Oh, how much we gain if we have no desire to gain what seems to us best and so have no fear of losing, since God never permits a truly mortified person to lose anything, except when such a loss will bring him greater gain. Chapter 18 I tell you, then, daughters, those of you whom God is not leading by this road of contemplation, that, as I know from what I have seen and been told by those who are following this road, they are not bearing a lighter cross than you. You would be amazed at all the ways and manners in which God sends them crosses. I know about both types of life. And I am well aware that the trials given by God to contemplatives are intolerable, and they are of such a kind that, were he not to feed them with consolations, they could not be born. It is clear that, since God leads those who he most loves by the way of trials, the more he loves them, the greater will be their trials. And there is no reason to suppose that he hates contemplatives, since with his own mouth he praises them and calls them friends. To suppose that he would admit to his close friendship pleasure-loving people who are free from all trials is ridiculous. I feel quite sure that God gives them much greater trials, and that he leads them by a hard and rugged road, so that they sometimes think they are lost and will have to go back and begin again. Then His Majesty is obliged to give them sustenance. Not water, but wine, so that they may become inebriated by it and not realize what they are going through and what they are capable of bearing. Thus I find few true contemplatives who are not courageous and resolute in suffering. For if they are weak, the first thing the Lord does is to give them courage so that they may fear no trials that may come to them. I think when those who lead an active life occasionally see contemplatives receiving consolations, they suppose that they never experience anything else. But I can assure you that you might not be able to endure their sufferings for as long as a day. The point is, is that the Lord knows everyone as he really is and gives each his work to do, according to what he sees the most fitting for his soul and for his own self and for the good of his neighbor. 
Unless you have omitted to prepare yourself for your work, you need have no fear that it will be lost. Note that I say we must all strive to do this, for we are here for no other purpose. And we must not strive merely for a year, or for two years, or ten years, or it will look as if we are abandoning our work like cowards. It is well that the Lord should see we are not leaving anything undone. We are like soldiers who, however long they have served, must always be ready for their captains to send them away on any duty which he wants to entrust to them, since it is he who is paying them. And how much better is the payment given by our king than by the people of this earth? For the unfortunate soldiers die, and God knows who pays them after that. When their captain sees they are all present and anxious for service, he assigns duties to them according to their fitness, though not so well as our heavenly captain. But if they are not present, he would give them neither pay nor service orders. So practice mental prayer, sisters, or if any of you cannot do that, vocal prayer, reading and colloquialies with God, as I shall explain to you later. Do not neglect the hours of prayer which are observed by all the nuns. You will never know when the spouse will call you. Do not let what happened to the foolish virgins happen to you. And if he will give you fresh trials under the disguise of consolations. If he does not, you may be sure that you are not fit for them and that you are doing what is suitable for you. That is where both merit and humility come in when you really think that you are not fit for what you are doing. Go cheerfully about whatever services you are ordered to do, as I have said. If such a servant is truly humble, she will be blessed in her active life and will never make complaints save of herself. I would much rather be like her than like some contemplatives. Leave others to wage their own conflicts, which are not light ones. The standard bearer is not a combatant, Yet, nonetheless, he is exposed to great danger, and inwardly must suffer more than anyone, for he cannot defend himself as he is carrying the standard, which he must not allow to leave his hands, even if he is cut to pieces. Just so, contemplatives have to bear aloft the standard of humility, and must suffer all the blows which are aimed at them without striking any themselves. Their duty is to suffer as Christ did, to raise the cross on high, not to allow it to leave their hands, whatever the perils in which they find themselves, and not to let themselves be found backward in suffering. It is for this reason that they are given such an honorable duty. Let the contemplative consider what he is doing, for if he lets the standard fall, the battle will be lost. Great harm, I think, is done to those who are not so far advanced if those whom they consider as captains and friends of God let them see them acting in a way unbefitting their office. The other soldiers do as best they can. At times they will withdraw from some position of extreme danger, and, as no one observes them, they suffer no loss of honor. But these others have all eyes fixed on them and cannot move. Their office, then, is a noble one, and the king confers great honor and favor upon any to whom he gives it, and to who, in receiving it, accepts no light obligation. 
So, sisters, as we do not understand ourselves and know not what we ask, let us leave everything to the Lord, who knows us better than we know ourselves. True humility consists in our being satisfied with what is given us. There are some people who seem to want to ask favors from God as a right. A pretty kind of humility that is. He who knows us all does well in seldom giving things to such persons. He sees clearly that they are unable to drink of his chalice. If you want to know whether you have made progress or not, sisters, you may be sure that you have if each of you thinks herself the worst of all and shows that she thinks this by acting for the profit and benefit of the rest. Progress has nothing to do with enjoying the greatest number of consolations in prayer or with raptures, visions, or favors often given by the Lord, the value of which we cannot estimate until we reach the world to come. The other things I've been describing are current coin, an unfailing source of revenue and perpetual inheritance not payments liable at any time to cease, like these favors which are given us and then come to an end. I am referring to the great virtues of humility, mortification, and an obedience so extremely strict that we never go an inch beyond the superior's orders, knowing that these orders come from God since she is in his place. It is to this duty of obedience that you must attach the greatest importance. It seems to me that anyone who does not have it is not a nun at all. And so I am saying no more about it, as I am speaking to nuns whom I believe to be good, or at least desirous of being so. So well known is this matter, and so important, that a single word will suffice to prevent you from forgetting it. I mean that if anyone is under a vow of obedience and goes astray through not taking the greatest care to observe these vows with the highest degree of perfection, I do not know why she is in the convent. I can assure her, in any case, that for so long as she fails in this respect, she will never succeed in leading the contemplative life or even in leading a good active life. Of that I am almost certain. And even a person who has not this obligation, but who wishes or tries to achieve contemplation, must, if she would walk safely, be fully resolved to surrender her will to a confessor who is himself a contemplative and will understand her. It is a well-known fact that she will make more progress in this in a year than in a great many years if she acts otherwise. As this does not affect you, however... I will say no more about it. I conclude my daughters by saying that these are the virtues which I desire you to possess and to strive to obtain and of which you should cherish a holy envy. Do not be troubled because you have no experience of those other kinds of devotion. They are very unreliable. It may be that to some people they come from God and yet that if they come to you It might be because his majesty had permitted you to be deceived and deluded by the devil. There is danger in this for women. Why do you want to serve the Lord in so doubtful a way when there are so many ways of serving him in safety? Who wants to plunge you into these perils? I have said a great deal about this, 
because I am sure it will be useful, for this nature of ours is weak, though His Majesty will strengthen those on whom He wishes to bestow contemplation. With regard to the rest, I am glad to have given them this advice, which will teach contemplatives humility also. If you say you have no need of it, daughters, some of you may perhaps find a pleasant reading. May the Lord, for his own sake, give us light to follow his will in all things, and we shall have no cause for fear.